selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. This is my This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. Today, we delve into one of the most poignant moments of my life. That's when I was stepping into the courtroom and coming face to face with Donald Trump for the very first time in half a decade. I want you to picture this. So here I am, walking in, and there's this giant weight on my shoulders, an amalgamation of the past, the decisions made, the loyalties tested, and the consequences faced. As I approached the bench, I couldn't help but feel a little like Rocky Balboa, climbing into the ring with Ivan Drago, knowing the stakes, feeling the intensity of the audience, and understanding the symbolism of the fight. So all of you, cue Eye of the Tiger. But it wasn't just about me and Trump. It's all about you. It's about our nation. It's about democracy. For a brief moment, as I took my place on the stand and met his gaze, I felt as though I held all the anger, the frustration, and the hopes of this nation in my hands. It was like holding onto a potent talisman, giving me strength, purpose, and resolve. Now, Donald Trump likes to think of himself as part mob boss and part dictator. I mean, in his mind, he's John Gotti and Vladimir Putin all rolled up into a pair of triple XL golf slacks. But the man I saw today in the courtroom was none of those things. Though, look, he tried repeatedly to make eye contact with me. And in prison, they call that mad dogging or eye fucking. And as someone who has walked the walk, that's one game he can't win. I've seen tougher, I've seen harder, and I've seen scarier. Fuck, I'm tougher than him, I'm harder than him, and I'm definitely fucking more scary. 
What I really saw was a fucking defeated man who knows that it's the end of the Trump organization. The man has already been found guilty of fraud. His license will ultimately be taken. And now he's finished as an entrepreneur, as a personality. I mean, gone, baby, gone. And he only has himself to blame. So those of you following the trial saw Trump storm out of the courtroom like a belligerent baby after I was asked on cross-examination if Trump had directly ordered me to inflate numbers for his personal statement. But that's not how he operates, I said. Have you ever seen Trump speak directly about anything? No, he speaks around the topic like a mob boss, indirectly giving orders. But boy, did he run with it, charging out of the court to declare victory. His sad attack dog of an attorney, Alina Haba, tried to rattle me and pull me apart. But again, sorry, tougher have tried and failed. She directed considerable time directing her ire at this one podcast, (laughs) Mea Culpa, accusing me of having made a career out of attacking Donald Trump. In one sense, sure, point taken, this show has been around, I mean, it's been enormously successful, but that's because millions and millions of you tune in weekly to listen to the truth. I mean, what I provide is a roadmap in how to get there and how to understand Donald Trump. For fuck's sake, the guy is the leading GOP candidate and a former president. Why the fuck should I not talk about him? I mean, we live in an increasingly dangerous time where day by day, the slide towards autocracy becomes greater and greater. And the man leading us there is none other than Donald fucking Trump. I see this as a patriotic duty to help navigate us past the rocky shoals of demagoguery into a safe harbor. And if that means taking a little shit from Trump or one of his dipshit attorneys, well, that's just fucking fine. It means I'm right on target. What was also apparent today in court was that Trump cannot control himself in a court of law. Now, some people are saying that he shit his pants, so that's why he ran out. But that's not true. He actually thought these three fucking morons that were representing him must have sold him on a package that by denigrating, disparaging, and calling me a convict, a liar, a perjurer, that that was going to somehow get Judge and Goron to grant their motion for a directed verdict. Well, fuck it didn't, not only once, but when the second time, the judge turned around and said, absolutely denied. Now, I've been practicing law since 1992, and I can tell you, I've never heard a judge say that ever. And over the course of the day, Trump then went ahead and he violated Judge Angoron's gag order and was fined yet another $10,000. And then behind closed doors, the judge questioned Trump who he was speaking about. And Trump fucking lied. And he lied under oath. It's funny, they're calling me a liar and a perjurer. Trump, Chris Kais, Alina Haba, and what the fuck is the other guy's name? I don't even remember. All three of them fucking lied as they went ahead and they tried to acknowledge that Donald Trump wasn't talking about the judge's law clerk, but speaking about me. And Goron found him to not be a credible witness. And that's not my words. That's in Goron's words. And let me quote it again 
because there's no doubt that Alina and the other lawyers are listening to this. Here's the quote, fuckers. Not to be a credible witness. And if Trump can't deal with me in court without unraveling like a high school delinquent caught stealing, there's no fucking chance that he's gonna stand once the criminal trials begin. I mean, Jack Smith, Fannie Willis, Alvin Bragg, they're gonna eat this fucker alive. But back to the courtroom and my testimony. I mean, it's amazing how far you can travel in five years. In my 2018 testimony before Congress, I was warning this nation of the monster that we had all unleashed. Now, some believed me, others taunted me, but everything I have said has come to pass, and we are where I thought that we would end up. Sure, we defeated Trump in 2020 in the election, and since then, we have watched as his relevancy has been whittled down. But despite being whittled down, make no mistake, Trump may be a defeated man grasping at former glory, but the movement he birthed is very much alive and very, very fucking dangerous. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now for the main event. <laughs> my next guest on Maya Culpa is Lincoln Project Advisor Stuart Stevens. Regarded as one of the Republican Party's most talented political gurus, a body of work that includes steering Mitt Romney's presidential campaign in 2012, Stevens may also be the GOP's most prominent defector when he abandoned the party as Trump rose to power. Let me make this absolutely crystal clear. He fucking despises the former president in a way that feels strikingly personal. While the Lincoln Project argues that Trump is perverting the Republican Party, Stevens doesn't think Trump has perverted anything. Trump is the Republican Party, Stevens believes, and the Republican Party is Trump. He thinks that there is no reclaiming his former party. It must be burned to the ground. Or, to use a Vietnam-era metaphor, the village must be destroyed in order to save it. Reflecting on a four-decade career in American politics, Stevens is convinced that Trump was not an aberrant zigzag. He was fate. And here's what he said, I saw a lot of this stuff, but I just chose to believe that this kind of dark side was the recessive gene, not the dominant one. I was wrong. Well, Stevens joins Maya Culpa to discuss his fabulous new book entitled The Conspiracy to End America. Five ways my old party is driving our democracy to autocracy. The book is part memoir and part Jeremy as Stevens unpacks how we are moving towards an autocratic end. I mean, it's really a great book and I suggest you read it. But more importantly, let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Stuart, in your new book, The Conspiracy to End America, you outline how your former party is driving democracy to autocracy, and that whenever a democracy slides into autocracy, there are five critical elements at work. First one, financiers. Number two, propagandists. Three, party support. Four, legal theories to legitimize. And finally, number five, shock troops. Do me a big favor, please. Unpack for my listeners what these five elements currently look like as we approach the 2024 election. Yeah, so let, let's uh, let's just go down. Um, finance tiers are essential. I mean, we know they have basically unlimited money. Peter Thiel, um, whatever, Harlan Crow. There's nothing. We, uh, Leonard Leo's group just got $1.6 billion, the largest uh contribution in the history of American politics. Um, so they have unlimited money. They need propagandists. Um, we know, you and I know all too well, uh, they have this vast propaganda wing. Uh, Fox is really just sort of um, the tip of the iceberg. And Fox has kind of become the mainstream of the crazy right wing. There's a lot more crazy stuff out there. 
um, you need the support of a major party. And that is one of the key differences now that's never happened before, Michael. We've had hate groups before, Father Coughlin, KKK, whatever. We've never had a major party take an autocratic position as its core principles. Um, you know, as you and I sit here today, the official written platform of the Republican Party is pretty much what Donald Trump wants it to be. That's what they did at the 2020 convention. Um, you need a legal system to justify it. And that is at the heart of all these changes that are being made and attempted to be made to how we vote in this country. Um, if the Georgia legislature passes a law that says uh, they can overturn the popular vote when they do it, it's perfectly legal. And lastly, you need shock troops. And you and I know you probably better than I. If, if somebody's been out there in the tip of the spear at the receiving end of so much of this hate and ugliness, uh, the shock troops are there. Uh, January 6th, these were not uh, just crazy people. They were people who were from the military. They were people who fly, flew private jets there. Um, there is a tremendously uh, broad and deep movement of shock troops. And these people look at the presidency and they think that Joe Biden is an illegal occupier of the White House. And that gives them not only the right, but in some cases, the obligation to do whatever it takes to get rid of them. And, I, you know, I think, Michael, really the reason I wrote this book is I think we talk about these five things individually, but we don't talk about them enough collectively um, and how they work together directly and how there's a symbiotic relationship between them. Okay, so here's the big problem. Let's just go to the one about the, um, we'll call it the propagandists. Yes. Fox is an interesting scenario because at some point in time, they are or potentially continue to be obviously propagandists for the Trump machine, but nowhere in the sphere of like an OAN or Newsmax or right. even better than all of them, and this was always Donald's belief, is that social media, whether it's his untruth social platform with all 20 people, Twitter that Elon Musk permitted him to come back and to fucking ruin, to be honest with you, that platform is kind of shit now. Um, yep. Thread, wherever that they can do it. He has his group of individuals and combined with, of course, his account having more than anybody else's, they use that in order to stir this propaganda machine far greater than the Fox, the OANs, or the Newsmax. That, that's a huge, huge, important point, Michael. Um, what I thought was one of the more fascinating elements of uh, the Dominion lawsuit discovery was you saw Fox worried that they weren't pushing the uh, conspiracy of the election, stolen election, hard enough. And, you know, my belief on this is that Fox didn't create the Republican Party. The Republican Party created Fox. Because, you know, you think back, Michael, um, Fox didn't want, uh, well, they, they, they didn't certainly didn't want uh, John McCain to be the nominee. But once he was, they supported him. They didn't want Mitt Romney to be the nominee. But once he was, they supported him. And if... 
say, you know, Jeb Bush had won the 16 primary, Fox would have fallen in line and supported him. Mm-hmm. So it's really a, a collapse of the party and the party responding to these um, online uh, mobs and this ability for people on- online to live in their unique uh, bubble. You know, I, I think it's a, a phenomenon across the board now for a lot of reasons, uh, from technological to laziness. All of us tend to consume information to confirm an opinion rather than inform a comp- an opinion. Um, and they play into that where they, they really live in sort of a different world. I mean, that's really where they're concentrating the yep. bulk of their money that they're raising is into this misinformation, disinformation, malinformation campaign. It is yep. so incredible to me. I was talking the other day to David uh, Pakman, and you know we were having this conversation about people that he trolls um, at these various events. And I'm sitting there, and I'm saying to myself, explain to me how is it possible that these people actually believe that Joe Biden is not the president of the United States, that Donald Trump is somehow operating the White House from afar. Of course, while he's got four criminal indictments, two civil matters going on all at the same time, but somehow or another, he's still running point that he is still right now the president of the United States. And if it wasn't, if I, if it, if it was on Saturday Night Live, I would get it and I would find it funny, but it's not, you know, um, it's, it's just not funny and worse than being not funny. It's fucking dangerous. I mean, it's really dangerous that you have these people and they speak with such passion, with such, you know, vigor in their responses that 2024 will bring the rightful president back to the White House. And you say to yourself, wow, wow. Let me also stop you for a quick second here and say, you do realize that this man who you are praising neither knows you nor cares about you. But for some unknown reason, again, that incredible propaganda spin machine has managed to convince him that he is the only one that can create not just a great America, but a great world. Yeah, listen, um, it, it's a move. It's a hallmark of autocratic movements to live in another world. Um, you know, this is the same thing as Putin saying that he's in, uh, invading Ukraine to rid it of Nazis when it has a Jewish president. Um It's important that they see the world differently, because if they live in a world of truth, they then have to argue things about over facts. They have to make a case. They have to have some logical argument. And that's really at the heart of what's happened to the Republican Party. On a broader level, there is no governing philosophy for it, because if you don't live in reality, how can you begin to solve real problems? And. You know, I don't think that we've wrapped our minds around this, Michael, enough that the 24 election is not going to be between two parties that have different political views. 
center right, center left, whatever. It's going to be between one party that believes they are restoring uh, the rightful occupant to the White House uh, and fighting an illegal president. And we've just not since 1860 had this, and it really wasn't true in 1860. And I don't know, Michael. I mean, I, I I'd ask you, how do you think that's going to play out? Unfortunately, not well for the country. Uh, again, there's too many people that are knee deep into the shit cult of Donald Trump, which is really what it is. It's like a dumpster fire. And you know, it, we all really do need to be very concerned about where we end up in 2024. You know, I... I was of the mindset that Trump wasn't even going to ultimately get the nomination. Yeah, I see right now, you know, he's leading in all the polls and so on. And every day I start to I start to follow the various different trends of what's going on. And while even his supporters know and acknowledge that he is an incredibly flawed human being, truth be told, they just don't care. It's the craziest thing in the world. You know, well, we don't care. That's not what we, that's not what we care about. Well, what do you care about? Right? Do you care that he took top secret documents? Do you care that he actually shared those with people outside of government? How about the fact that he engaged in conversations and showed top secret military documents that somehow might even be related to this crisis going on right now um, in Israel, they don't care about that either. It's amazing that anything that he does, which you could easily stick your finger on, you could point your finger to it and be 100% accurate and backed up by hundreds and hundreds of news outlets, they don't see it that way. That's not what Donald said. That's not what we believe. It's... It's extraordinarily dangerous. Um, and, I, I, you know, you have to ask, what are you going to do about it? Um, you know, I, I think that there are people on that side of the world who are obviously buffoonish characters. The Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Matt Gates, Lauren Bopart. But there is a group of people there, Michael, and you know them well, that are very serious people. And yeah. they really want a, a, a different country. And... They have someone out there who will is a leader who will lead this movement that's unrelated to truth. And I mean, who's to say they're not going to win right now? Trump seems to be ahead in the polls. And I think one of the main things that has benefited Trump, and, and you would know more about this than anybody, is the inability for us to imagine Trump. I certainly couldn't imagine Trump winning in 16, the nomination or the presidency. And even in October, uh, when it became pretty clear Trump was going to lose, I would have said anything that if Trump lost by seven and a half million popular vote north of 300 in the Electoral College, that the party itself, you know, the, not everybody, but most senators would take the heroic step of having their comm shop issue a statement congratulating the president-elect United oh, States. Oh, yeah, not him. <laughs> and they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. Um I, it's just it's heartbreaking for, you know, those of us who worked in the party and helped elect a lot of these people. And I don't get it. I don't understand what's in it for them, Michael. Oh, um, you know what's in it for them? 
power and yeah. with power comes money and it's also yeah. it's also the proximity you know why do most people give to campaigns there's really only three reasons the first one is that it's it's for the party they're just party diehards right the second one is they're personal friends of the candidate right there's a personal relationship the third which is the vast 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 majority of people it's in order to create some sort of benefit or influence for themselves that's what these people are doing and when you brought up the fact that there are these mega billionaires that are out there right now and that they are funding campaigns that they are financially backing whether it's super PACs that are not supposed to have any coordination whatsoever and we clearly see that that's a bunch of bullshit um it doesn't matter you know they are looking to make more money because the billionaire class made more money during Trump's administration than they've ever made before. You know, this is one of the weird things. I, I talk about it in the conspiracy in America. You have these people like Peter Thiel, and now Elon Musk is becoming one of those. Um, the Koch brothers were one of these who have benefited tremendously by the American system. Tremendously. Yep. They, they have acquired unimaginable wealth. And they are dedicated to changing that system that only in that system could they have acquired this wealth and power. That's it true. is a strange thing. I mean, does does Peter Thiel really want to be an oligarch in Russia? Really? really no, but he would like to be an oligarch here in America. But here's the they problem. Are. Okay, well, in a way they are, but here's the mistake that they're all making. If hypothetically Donald Trump should become president again in 2024, after right, right away, right after the inauguration, and after he takes out his box of Crayola crayons and he starts to rewrite the Constitution, right, on the back of some of the stolen top secret documents, the next thing he's going to do He's going to round up the Peter Thiels. He's going to round up the Mark Zuckerbergs, the Elon Musks. He's going to, uh, the, you know, the Warren Buffetts. He's going, to, he's going to go right after the billionaire class, and he's going to do to them exactly what Mohammed bin Salman did to his family members, the other royals, and he's going to make them sign away the vast majority of their wealth, except to him. And if... People are saying to themselves, stop, shut up. It's no fucking way. It, this is America. He can't do that. Remember what he's saying that he will do. The first thing he will do is he will rewrite the Constitution. He will remove the judiciary and the legislative branches of government from the tripartite system. And he will immediately confer all power to the executive branch. Now, if you're driving your car, pull off to the side for a second because you really have to hear this. And I don't want anybody to get hurt. By doing that, what does he make himself? He makes himself into the king, to the monarch, the supreme leader, the Fuhrer. And he will go after every single person, every critic, with the full might of the United States government, which will be him. He's got a plan brewing inside that head, all right? And that plan does not include democracy, 
which goes right again to the entire topic of your book. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's, that, that's, that's why I call this a conspiracy to end America, because that's no longer America. That is the end of the American experiment. And, you know, people who are real scholars of autocracy, and there's a lot of incredibly smart people that have studied this and written about it, people like Ruth ben Giat, who wrote that incredible book, Strong Men. Yep. You know, one of the things they say is, listen to these autocrats, because they always tell you what they want to do. And don't dismiss it. Believe it. And, I mean, what you're exactly right. Like, I mean, what Trump is, is laying out there, what they're saying they're going to do, um, there's no reason to think that's not what he exactly intends to do. And, you know, if you look at what Mitch McConnell and others said before Trump was elected in 16, it is exactly, in some cases, almost verbatim, what the Prussian aristocrats who ushered Adolf Hitler into power said about Hitler, that he will change to us. I mean, Mitch McConnell said, I think that we will change him because we represent the conservative mainstream. Well, how'd that work out? Yeah, not you know, too McConnell, well, right? McConnell ends up minority leader running, uh, and he and his colleagues are running for their life in their own office. And they still won't vote to convict Donald Trump. Well, you and don't have to worry about them is, voting for it because you're going to have plenty of judges and plenty of juries convicting him on a multitude of things in the very near future. The question is whether or not these sycophantic followers and there's sadly just too many of them whether or not they will even acknowledge a judicial determination i'm not sure they will yeah so you, you know better about this than anybody but the way i look at this tell me if you think this is is right or, or are you heading the right direction um you kind of have to get inside their mind circles. It's kind of like under mindset. It's sort of like understanding crop circles. So they believe that Donald Trump obviously should be president. And he is president, as, as you were saying. I and mean, everybody knows that. Of course. That they, they stole the election from him. And now, because he's leading again in the polls, the only way they can stop him is to put him in jail. So... Of course, I have to support Donald Trump. And the more they try to uh, convict him of these spurious made up crimes by these uh, dark, literally and figurative figures who are prosecutors, most of them African-Americans, then I have to vote for Donald Trump or otherwise I am giving in to the power of the deep state. So he goes up, the more that it's a victim mentality and victim culture and what greater victimhood than to have the deep state trying to put you in jail so that you can't take the office that you've already been elected to <laughs> it's so crazy i mean you're, you're right i mean it's just so crazy selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. 
From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. But Stuart, let me ask you this then. What worries you the most going into the 2024 election? Because it almost feels like a gimme, right? The probable GOP presidential candidate, again, is facing four separate criminal trials, facing two additional civil trials, and the party itself is in absolute, complete disarray as they fail to elect a new House speaker. If you can, because this is your world. What's happening right now, and how do you see it ultimately playing out? Look, I think that we're going to exist in one of two universes um, come a year from now. If No Labels succeeds in this lunatic notion of putting a credible independent candidate on the ballot, I think that that will hand the election to Donald Trump, that there are enough Republicans college-educated Republicans, soft Dems, who resisted voting for Trump right until the end, until the Comey letter in 16, they came over. These voters, a lot of them left Trump in 20, and usually the last to join or the first to leave in politics for understandable reasons. They have the most doubts. They, they uh, voted for Biden. So I think that if 
there is a alternative that they can say, well, I didn't like Biden, I didn't like Trump, so I voted for X. Um, I think it doesn't have to be a large percentage. I mean, if 44,000 people in exactly the right places had voted for um, Trump he's uh, in 20, he'd still be president today. So I think we're going to exist in that world. Or if we exist in a world that is pretty much a straight-up, heads-up race. Um, I think that Joe Biden uh, should win. I have a lot of respect, actually, for the Biden campaign. It's very difficult to beat an incumbent president. I, I've tried. I've failed. Um, they succeeded. You know, I, I think one of the issues here is we look at this race in a prism of uh, our old politics instead of the new politics. So on Election Day in 2012, Mitt Romney and Barack Obama both had favorables of 50%. I don't think we're going to see that again for a long time. But when you see Joe Biden, you know, 43, 42, 44% favorables, people go, oh, well, that's terrible, you know. Or Barack Obama had 50% favorables. You know, George Bush had higher favorables. Um, I don't think that's the right way to look at it. Because we haven't existed in a world in which the majority of the other party thinks that uh, the incumbent president is not a legal president. So, <laughs> you know, I think I think Biden can win a straight up two two person race. I think the key is going to be these voters is what we're focused on in the Lincoln Project. Uh, college educated Republicans, college educated soft Dems. Uh, they need to stick with Biden. I don't know about you, Michael, but I don't run across many people that say I voted for Joe Biden in 20 and I'm going to vote for Donald Trump in 24. So, you know, you can make the case in a very simple way. Biden just needs to get his repeat customers. And that should be enough to win. Trump's best group are older voters. Older voters die at higher rates. Biden's uh, best group Despite his age, youngs, yep. for younger voters who increasingly are becoming a larger percentage. And, you know, when you and I were coming up in politics, Michael, there was sort of the standard rule that young people don't vote in any large numbers. And they're just proving us. Uh, they are voting uh, under 30s and, and much larger numbers, and it's having a real impact. Well, that's also because they're seeing the negative effects of the GOP. They're seeing the negative effects of the Trump administration with the you know stacking of the Supreme Court, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, with the Dobbs decision, with now you know issues like Bivens or um, you know any of the other multitude of um, cases that are being affected you know by the change in the Supreme Court, and so they're finally beginning to understand that they are being detrimentally affected much worse than our generation, right? You know, at a certain age, uh, it's, that's, not really the, that's not really the years that you'll have to deal with Roe. Maybe your children or grandchildren, but not you. They're, this is personal to them. And they're seeing on top of that, you see the vast amount of racism and sexism and misogyny that's coming out of the same group. You're starting to see the xenophobia, the homophobia, the Islamophobia, the anti-Semitism, again, coming from which party? 
These are, these are the maggot morons, the motherfuckers with the three teeth and the four brain cells. These are the same people that think it's, that think that they're, that they're, you know, that they're clever by painting a swastika on the side of a synagogue. I mean, these are the same, it's the same asshole that went ahead and stabbed to death that young Palestinian boy in Illinois. I mean, this is, this is the sickness that this man has brought to the country. And again, it is nothing shy of the ultimate head scratcher that there are still so many people that are so loyal to him. And what, what have they ever done? Maybe they were, maybe they were part of a 30,000 person, you know, um, rally that took place. They saw him drive by in the motorcade, you know, waving his hand like if he was royalty. That's the closest that they've ever gotten to this guy. And they can't see that the emperor is wearing no clothes. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I blame the Republican Party for this, Michael, because uh, if the smart, well, smart to reasonably smart people who you and I have known forever, who are not weirdos and freaks, had they stood up to Donald Trump, had they said, no, we're not going to do this. This is wrong. To me, the turning point was uh, middle of December in 15 when Trump came out for the Muslim ban. Now, if the party stands for anything, it's the Constitution. A Muslim ban is religious test. That's unconstitutional. And the party really, they didn't cheer for it, but they went along with it. And you and I know why they did. Trump was threatening to run as an independent. They didn't think Trump was going to win. They just sort of humored him. But once Romney came out in the spring of 16 and gave that speech about Trump, it's just extraordinary that others didn't follow him. And even after the Access Hollywood, they just, every time they have a chance to stand up to Trump, they go along. And this is now their legacy. They have lost control of this party. They thought that they could keep the, the rods in the nuclear reactor and just keep it just balanced exactly yeah. right. Instead, they've ended up with Chernobyl. Yeah. So, Stuart... Let's let's digress a little bit. Let's let's just change. We'll change lanes for a second, and let's talk about Jim Bag Jordan for a moment. Because I, you know, I have an absolute disdain for the jacketless jerk off that he, you know, that I see him as. It seems that for now, at least, cooler heads have prevailed and stopped this dirtbag from becoming House Speaker. If you would. Describe your thoughts in watching things unfold and how this fits into your book's thesis. Yeah, you know, um, it's a great question, Michael, and it's very telling. And, I, and in a way, I don't think we look at it um, in the right way. Um, ultimately, at the root of this is a party that doesn't believe in anything but power, like you were saying. So if, if you were going to stand in front of a, House, a Republican caucus and make a case to elect a speaker... You should be able to say, look, we may not like this person. You may not agree with this person, but there are important principles here. And there was a time we would have said those principles are standing up to the Soviet Union or standing up to Russia. It's important because we know that uh, character counts in this country and we have to represent that. 
They could be because they uh, actually believed in the deficit, was how much the budget deficit could hurt the country. You could make a plea to these principles to rise above whether or not you like this person or not. And the conviction, we must work with Democrats because we can't accomplish anything if we don't. But they don't believe in anything, so no one can stand up there and say, you know, go with me for these reasons. So it ends up it's Lord of the Flies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, poor, poor Kevin McCarthy thought he was Ralph and he ended up being Piggy. Um, <laughs> and so it's just a, a kind of um, life imitating high school weirdness. Um, and he still and thinks, I, by the way, that he has the conch. Yes, McCarthy still, still thinks he has the conch. He won't leave the speaker's yeah. office until there's a new speaker appointed. I mean, could you imagine just the, the sort of gall? You're not speaker, but you refuse to exit the speaker's office because a new one hasn't been appointed. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you who's not speaker, you, right? He still thinks he has the conch. You know, man, um, anybody who would be willing to debase themselves publicly the way McCarthy did to get elected speaker, to in public be held hostage by Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates. I mean, what, what does that say about your sense of self? I mean, at, at a certain point, if you're not willing to walk away, and that's the thing, you know, all of these people that, that we know that are senators or congressmen, if they weren't in the Senate or Congress, they would be fine. They're not going to be homeless. They, they could go back to a very normal life. And it's just so telling that this proximity to power that you talk about, um, this illusion of power, because a lot of them really don't have power. They have sort of good parking places, not power. Um, and that becomes to them defining who they are. You know what's and, an interesting you know, thing, Stuart? You just brought it to my to my mind. Imagine there's a flip of what is it, three, four seats, and the House returns back to Democratic control. The interesting thing is not trying to find one Democrat who would be House Speaker on the very first try. It would be which one out of like the dozen would end up becoming House Speaker, right? I mean, you would have like a Hakeem Jeffries. You would have potentially a Jamie Raskin. You would have a like a Chuck, you know, maybe, you know, a, um, well, I mean, who else you would, you can have over there. You can have, um, I mean, even even like yeah. new guys uh, that, are, that are coming in, like a Dan Goldman. But look, he hasn't been there long enough, but... How fast do you think somebody like Hakeem Jeffries would end up being sworn in as speaker or, you know, uh, Jamie Raskin? Here's the difference. Jacketless Jim, 16 years a member of Congress and not one bill passed. So let's even put aside the fact that he can or he can't raise money. I don't believe he's a big fundraiser for them. At least that's what many of the Republican Congress members are saying. But more even important than that, how about using the word 
effectiveness as a right. as a legislator. 16 years and he's accomplished jack shit. And yet you want to make him speaker of the house? You want to put the gavel into the hands of somebody that hasn't even passed one bill in 16 years? So what does that tell you? It tells you they don't care about governing. They, they, it tells you that they don't care about getting things done. That chaos is the, is the purpose. Um, what, what did Jordan do once they, they've uh, had the House uh, in the past couple of years? Investigate Hunter Biden's laptop? Is there anybody walking around in America that has a better life because Hunter Biden's laptop is being investigated? There's just there's nothing there that really affects people's lives. It's a, a grievance. And for a lot of these people, I think it's working through deep personal issues uh, uh, and using government for that, which is why you get these weirdos like Jordan and Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, these are people, if you just knew them in life, forgetting any political context, you would just think, like, these are weird people. I really don't, you know, I don't want to sit next to this person on a plane. Will you sit next to Marjorie Taylor Greene on a plane? No. You do anything to get away from it. I, and, I, I don't know. You know, after, after Lauren Boebert at that uh, Beetlejuice thing, I'd sit I next know, to her on a plane, especially if it's a nice long flight. Can you believe it? I mean, no, I can't. And and could you imagine that's another member of Congress? Supposedly, she had you know some issues with as being a um, uh, an escort, you know, an unlicensed escort. Which I mean, you know, you probably call those uh, trollops, right? I'm not sure. Uh, then you have Jim Jordan with the allegations that he turned a blind eye to sexual assault of you know young yep. uh, boys during uh, when his years at Ohio State, the wrestling team. You start to go into all of them. They, you're right. You are 100% right. So they are sick. They're really sick people. George Santos, you don't even know what his real name is, how much he's stolen, what he's done, who he's done it with. I mean, I mean, there's a massive sickness in the GOP. Yeah. And it's why I constantly, whether it's on this podcast or my political beatdown podcast, when I go on television, I'm always adding, including on my social media, hashtag, Vote blue. You understand that not voting blue, you are voting for a bunch of really sick human beings? Yeah, brother, listen, you know, all those years, I spent decades pointing out flaws in the Democratic Party, and it really means nothing now because they really are the only pro-democracy party. You know, uh, Joe Trippi, who, who was sort of legendary Democratic consultant, has joined the Lincoln Project the last couple of years. And Joe and I used to go up against each other in these races. And I always hated going up against Joe because he was so smart. But, you know, we look back at what we fought races over and just laugh. It was like, should the capital gains tax be 35% or 28%? It's like, are you kidding? I mean, that really, you know, when we're talking about whether or not, as you say, we're going to get rid of our democracy and have a king. So, you know, what drives me crazy about the Democratic Party, Mike, they're reluctance to get behind their guy. Yep. Biden is uh, president of the United States. He's running for election. You should support him and you should do it enthusiastically. And you can say with a very straight face and with a lot of uh, honesty and even pride, he's done big stuff. 
that Republicans never could get done, like the infrastructure bill. And if you look at the coalition he's helping hold together in Ukraine and now Israel, the guy really is sort of saving the world as we know it. So support this person. I, this tentativeness that Democrats have drives me crazy. Yeah. If I were in the Democratic Party, I would tell them, look, we there are more of us than there are of them. We're right. They're wrong. Let's walk with some swagger here. Mm -hmm. Let's walk with confidence that we're going to win. We're going to beat these people and that we're right. And I, I just wish they could get more of that mindset. Yeah, you and me both. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But Stuart, as you see it, the late um, Weimar Republic, right, the former uh, Third Reich, and the United States today, unfortunately, have plenty in common. And I know that you write about this. Walk me and my yeah. listeners through these parallels, because as the son of a Holocaust survivor, I can tell you, it's fucking frightening. Yeah, you know, Mike, I think this is, is so important. You know, there was a sort of trope out there that you couldn't compare anything to... Uh, Germany in the 30s or World War II, because it then trivialized whatever you're talking about. I don't agree with that at all. Um, I don't think you do either. No, because I don't. The parallels, the parallels are so similar. The end result's not going to be similar. We're not, we're not going to end up with 100 million people dead in another world war. But, you know, what happened with, how did Hitler get the power? Well, the Prussian, mostly Prussian, aristocratic ruling class of Germany realized that they had lost touch with working class voters. And those working class voters were becoming communists. They were becoming Bolsheviks. So they decided that they needed 
someone who could still have contact with those working class voters to save the country from communism. So that was Adolf Hitler. And the person who did more than anyone else to usher Hitler into power, Franz von Papen, he wrote a memoir in 1953. 53, right? I mean, things had gone a little sideways, right? World War, 100 million people dead, the Holocaust. He's still trying to justify it, saying, well, what you have to understand is our choice was that or communism. So you look at the uh, what you and I would call the establishment of the Republican Party that we were part of. You look at Mitch McConnell. Yeah, I was never. I mean, okay, I, let me rephrase that for a sec. Yes, I was a, uh, you know, I was a supporter of Donald, um, but I've been a Democrat my whole life. Yeah, that's true. That's That's really... I was part of the establishment. You yeah. were. You're right. I plead guilty. Uh, I worked for George Bush. I worked for Mitt Romney. Yeah, I was there. I helped elect more governors and senators and but anybody out there. Um, and they you know, they saw themselves. So after Romney lost, particularly, they saw themselves as having lost touch with this large swath of uh non-college-educated uh, Republican voters, non-college-educated white voters. And, you know, after the, the uh, Romney loss, the party went through that so-called autopsy, analyzing why is it we've only won the popular vote once since 1988. That was in 2004, and we barely won then. I worked in that campaign for Bush, and we were very lucky to win. So why was it? So their conclusions were pretty obvious. We needed to appeal to more non-white voters. We needed to appeal to more younger voters. We needed to seem more welcoming to those um, who didn't agree with us per se, 100%. We needed to appeal to more to women, particularly women who work outside of the home. And then when Trump came along, there was almost like this audible sigh of relief. Oh, we don't have to really pretend we believe in this stuff and we can just win with white voters. And, you know, the, the choice for the party was whether or not you were going to do what was necessary to appeal to more non-white voters, or if you were going to double down and try to maximize those white voters. And tragically, the party made the decision uh, of the latter, not the former. Now, bring and, it back to the Weimar Republic that I interrupted yeah, so, you the first time on. Yeah, no, so in the Weimar Republic, it was a group of people who were in power who thought that they could make a deal with the devil and still maintain power. And I think that clearly Mitch McConnell and these people thought that they could control Donald Trump. And even through the 2020 election, and it's a lack of courage. It's a lack of putting a, a, a principle ahead. It's a sort of myopic uh, inability to see a larger picture. And so what happens? Violence becomes a standard currency in your politics. Mm -hmm. It happened in our public. It's happening in America on January 6th. You know, we, we, we talk about it was a threat to the peaceful transition of power. Well, it ended a peaceful transition of power. And the same thing happened in Germany when you had these brown shirts out there marching. And you listen to... Uh, these accounts of those who are wanting to vote to convict Trump, wanting to vote to impeach him in the House, and they say they're afraid to do it for their own personal safety. 
Well, that's straight out of 1930s Germany. And that is the death of democracy. If people can't vote the, in, a, in a democratic republic, if they can't vote for what they believe it's right because they're afraid of their family's safety, you no longer live in a democratic republic. And, you know, once Hitler was in power, his ability to destroy the pillars of civil society is exactly what Trump and now the Republicans largely are trying to do. So what did they do? They attacked the judiciary. This was one of the first things that was done in Germany. They attacked law enforcement and, and replaced it with their own law enforcement. So now, you know, the FBI is attacked by Trump and Trumpism. I mean, my dad was an FBI agent. I, I, I'm glad he's not alive today to see it. They attacked the Justice Department. Um, and the entire legal framework, which is at the heart of rule of law. And that's what happened in Germany. Um, and you ended up taking a pledge to the Fuhrer, not to a constitution. And that is what uh, Trump expects. These loyalty tests, you know this better than anybody, Michael. And the party has adopted that that if you're not loyal enough to Donald Trump, you're unacceptable. So yep. a Liz Cheney, a Cheney, no place for them in the party. A, a Mitt Romney. Really, and Adam really Kinzinger, no same thing. Adam yep. Kinzinger. Yeah. But, you know, just to add one additional thing, uh, you know, the thing about Trump, and it was also similar to what took place uh, in obviously, uh, 1930s uh, Germany, the first thing that they do is they actually violate your First Amendment constitutional right. They stop those people who want to speak in opposition. They create state-funded or state-propaganda news. Uh, that's, what, that's what they did. Uh, and that's exactly what Donald Trump has done. And, you know, I have my lawsuit right now pending Michael Cohen versus the United States of America, Donald Trump, Bill Barr, Department of Justice, and so on, where they violated my First Amendment constitutional right, didn't want me to publish a book, and instead remains, remained me back to, you know, to prison until, thank God again for Judge Alvin K. Hellerstein and his decision. But that's exactly the first thing that they do. And then, of course, what he does is he takes over the military or creates his own paramilitary, which was identical to January 6th. The similarities are so, they're so there. And they're there for everyone. I don't care if you're a historical scholar or you're somebody who's never read a book. It's so blatantly in your face. And the fact that they're ignoring it is truly a, um, it's a scary notion. But I want to ask you, because I am very nervous right now, and I do believe that the fate of the nation, the fate of democracy, rests on the results of the 2024 election, and especially keeping Trump out of the White House. Um, is there out there, or could there be someone out there smarter I mean, definitely the answer to that is yes, but less compromised, more electable type of a Donald Trump, sort of just waiting in the wings, who could ultimately take up both the MAGA and the GOP mantle? 
Is there somebody even around out there that you see? No, I think the problem is, can you win a Republican primary if you assert aggressively that Donald Trump lost the race? I think no. And you also, you know, I would ask you this, Michael. So we wake up and it's, I don't know, May 1, and Donald Trump has lost the primary. What are the odds that Donald Trump is going to do the normal political thing and endorse the person who won? I would say zero, right? Zero. So this is what I don't get about like a Ron DeSantis or somebody. They should wait for four years because the party still is being held hostage by Trump. And I've seen polls. We've done some in the Lincoln Project where 25 to 30 percent of Republicans say they will not vote if Trump isn't the nominee. So when you have that, it reduces any ability for a Chris Christie um, to, or Asia Hutchinson, someone who won't raise their hand, who says that they'll support Trump. They, they can't unify a party like that. Um, and it goes back, you know, the point you're making about living in different realities. It's not a common reality that you can use to unite the party. Even to the point now, I mean, think about this. The one constant in, uh, in geopolitical politics for decades was the most consistent antagonist to the Soviet Union and Russia was the most conservative element of the Republican Party. And that now has become the pro-Putin movement in American politics. Just think about it. I mean, how big is the doctor that the that the intelligence colonel came up with who decided that we were going to try to elect Donald Trump president. And Donald Trump actually got elected president. And now you have the Republican Party is supporting the Putin position to a distressing degree in the Ukraine-Russia war. Well, let me ask I you mean, this, Stuart. Stuart, can, do you think then, because you sparked now, again, another, whenever I have these conversations with you, it's like you, you, you cause my, the synapses in my brain to start firing. Do you think that the MAGA movement can survive if Trump either loses or ends up in prison? Um, or do you think that this movement has basically even outgrown its own leader? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's probably the most important question of the moment, isn't it? I think um, so. Yeah. And, you know, it's like a lot of things I could argue it round or flat, but I think the answer is it, it will uh, outlast Trump. Um, definitely. Because history shows that once you allow hate to become adopted by a major political party, which is what's happened here. I mean, this is a hate movement. Um it is very difficult to get that back under control. And at the root of it is, you know, the way in which the country's changing, Michael. So Donald Trump's coalition is 85% white in a country that's 59, 60% white. And since we've been talking less so. So, of, you know, we talk about the country becoming a minority majority country. In a way, it already has. For those who are 16 years and, and younger, the majority are non-white. And the odds are really, really good they're going to still be non-white when they turn 18. 
And that is what the Republican Party is, is afraid of, because we failed. And we, when I worked for the party, we failed to do what was necessary to appeal to more non-white voters. So this is why democracy has become their enemy, because as these new voters enter the system and vote, the majority of them are not uh, uh, white. They're not white grievance voters. And it reduces the party's uh, base. It's getting smaller and smaller. And this is why, you know, we increasingly have this phenomenon of minority government. Um, you look at the Supreme Court, you're talking about it. In the history of the Supreme Court, there's only five justices that have been confirmed by senators who represented a minority of the country. All five of those are on the courts today. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Um, which goes to why the court is making decisions that the country itself is not in sync with. And, and that's very, very dangerous. It's dangerous to have a president who's elected by the Electoral College and not uh, the popular vote. And the trend on this is only going to accelerate because we have this demographic reality that big states are getting bigger and they're still going to have two senators and the Electoral College is still going to be there. Um, so I think that uh, we have kind of a test of this, don't we, in a market test? How's Chris Christie and Asa Hutchinson going to do? 10%? Maybe. Maybe. You know, maybe. Um, so that's kind of the market speaking. There's not a market for an anti-Trump candidate in this party. Wow. And I don't think that's going to go away if Trump dropped dead tomorrow. I think that they'll, they'll pass the torch. And in, in, in a lot of ways, you know, you look at a DeSantis, um, it, it could be more dangerous. He's smarter. He's a weird guy, but he's probably less damaged than Trump. Um, but he's a he's an angry small man, and he has not. You know, a lot of donors, I think, supported DeSantis early on because they saw him in the model of a big state governor, like Reagan or Bush or even Romney, who won the nomination. And DeSantis isn't like that at all. He is a big state governor, but he's a big state governor that tried to use the power of the state to force Disney to support him, which goes yep. to your point about, you know, what is it going to be like if, if Trump wins for these CEOs? Um, he's banning books. He's uh, banning uh, history to be taught as the truth. I mean, those are extraordinarily dangerous things. And if he was elected president, there's no reason to, to believe he wouldn't continue. Yeah, and you're right, because he is much smarter than Trump. I actually think he's Trump 2.0. I think he's more, believe it or not, I think he's actually even more sinister than Trump. You see, look, Trump is an authoritarian wannabe. We know that. And you've heard my uh, dystopian view of what happens to this country if Trump should come back. I can't even come up with a dystopian sort of crystal ball on DeSantis, at least with Trump, I know what he's going to do. He's going to take everybody's money because that's all he truly cares about. He wants to be the richest guy on the planet. And obviously he realized he's too stupid to earn it on his own. 
right? And daddy only left him so much. So the only way to do it is to take it via force and with power. And as the president, after rewriting the Constitution, he will have unlimited authority to do exactly that. Watch all these fucking idiots, these billionaires that think that, yeah, Donald's my buddy. I had a fucking Mar-a-Lago burger with him the other day. Yeah, we played around the golf. Let me tell you something. You're going to be his caddy, right? He'll, he'll let you keep some money, your planes, your trains, your automobiles, your homes. Good fucking luck. He's going to take them all, just like Mohammed bin Salman did. Trump thought that was the coolest thing he ever saw. He thought it was cool, right? I mean, no, it's not. It's not cool. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. But look, as the hour comes to, you know, to a long time, that whole dystopian thing with, again, with Ron Santis, I don't even know, wait, what's he going to start doing? Um, Banishing transgender? How about somebody uh, writes a book, he doesn't like it? off with his head. You have, he's so fucking weird, DeSantis, that nobody has an idea in terms of just how actually weird that the guy truly is. I mean, it's, it's strange. But I have one last question for you as the hour comes to a close. Are you concerned about the prospect of violence as Trump faces criminal trials and the possibility of incarceration, as well as a campaign that he is calling the final battle. Yeah, listen, brother. Um, and I ask I was, you that because, as you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a key witness in two of the cases. I can't imagine what your life is like these days. Man. Horrible. Yeah. And your family. God. Look, I, I thought I knew what Trump had said when he announced down in Waco. I, I saw clips of it on the news and everything. But until I wrote this book and made myself go back and watch it and read it, it is the single most disturbing, dangerous announcement for president by far. It is he announced for president as the final battle. And what is the battle? The battle is with democracy. And they opened the rally with not a Pledge of Allegiance, but with that weird insurrectionist song that's sung yep. by a bunch of 
now felons. Um, so, yes, this is a call to violence. Uh, he did it in the debate with uh, Biden when he talked about the Proud Boys um, standing by. And it's only gotten worse. And this Waco thing, I, I mean, in a way, I think there's a failure of our journalism of how to treat this because it is just so stark. It's why they struggle so much how to deal with Trump when, you know, you have journalism that the greatest good for this generation of journalists was considered objectivity. And how do you tell both sides of a lie? But when you look at what he did uh, at that announcement, it is a call to arms. Um, you know, I mean, I have a friend who's a Southerner who says, what's the difference between, you know, what happened at Fort Sumter and what happened on January 6th? So, well, at Fort Sumter, nobody died. Right. And it's sort of a disturbing truth. Um, so, yeah, I think in a country of 400 million guns with people who believe they have a right or an obligation to restore, they think they're restoring democracy, their own twisted idea of democracy. I think the violence is under this. I mean, again, look at DeSantis. So un instead of talking about cutting the budget or cutting um, government, the size of government, right, which is something, you know, Republicans have talked about forever. How does DeSantis talk about that? He says, I'm going to, quote, slit their throats. Yep. So, I mean, that's he, he doesn't oppose Dr. Fauci and said, well, I disagree with him on here. OK, fine. You can do that in a democracy. He says, I want to toss that little elf across the Potomac, which is sort of ironic because DeSantis is about two inches taller than that little elf. Um that's not with language. his not with his not with his lifts in his shoes. Not with his lifts. <laughs> that, that is that is the the normalization of violence. Sure. In our political uh, debate, and the way that he's attacked you, the way that he's attacked judges, the way that he attacks anybody who disagrees with him. Um, you know, if there's one element that is essential to democracy, it's the. Uh, essential ability for someone to lose and accept it. That, that is what democracy is by definition. You have to be willing to lose. And the sort of subtext of that is you have to be willing to admit that maybe the other person could be right. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the other person has a good point. And that language has become just completely lost in the Republican Party. Yeah. It, yeah. it, 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 it's you know, it's it's sad. Weakness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Stuart, thank you so much for your time, your insight. Um, obviously, going to need to have you back as we get closer. Uh, you know, to both the beginning, all right, the the first caucuses, and then, of course, uh, the big campaign. I don't. Again, I don't even know where Trump is going to be in terms of uh, that, considering you have four criminal indictments there's the two civil cases on top of that and i heard that there might even be another criminal indictment coming down uh relatively soon but we'll see will that stop him will that slow down the mandarin menace i have no idea but we're certainly going to be talking a lot more about it so Stuart, thank you so much for everything 
Thank you, Michael, and thank you for everything you've done for the country. <laughs> I'll see you soon, my brother. And now for today's mea culpa. I named the show Mea Culpa for several reasons. The first being that after serving as Donald Trump's personal fixer, I owed this nation a debt, and my Mea Culpa in all of this was to figure out how I ended up enthralled to this monster. It was also necessary to shine a light on what was happening to this nation as millions of others fell prey to a cult of personality that brought out the worst in all of us. The past two days on trial, sitting face to face with Donald Trump, I was left thinking and feeling this abject sadness and the gnawing feeling of, what the fuck was I thinking? How could this sad, ridiculous, orange-faced fucking fool, how could this man have caused me so much consternation? The answer is, I have no fucking idea. The person sitting in court today couldn't be farther away from that person. Some people call me a hypocrite. Others say I have no credibility, that I am a liar and I should not be believed. To all of that, I'd say that you should make up your own minds. Don't listen to that bullshit. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've said. I know my heart and I know what matters and what matters is that I can look my family and all of you, all of our fans, all of Mea Culpa, I can look all of you right in the eyes and that they know that I am fighting for them and ultimately for all of us, for the country, for the nation, for democracy, for future generations. And again, I called it Mea Culpa, well, for another reason too. It happens to be my initials and I thought it'd be catchy. And as always, my friends, thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Mea Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Mea culpa, nothing but the truth. This is my mea culpa. Oh, baby, don't lie for me. If I tell you my story, don't cry for me. I did my time, that's fine by me. This is my mea culpa. If you dance with the devil, it's gonna go down. Tell the truth, it's now. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. <laughs> 